Hello, Cleveland Guardians fans. If you're listening to this podcast the day it drops or watching it the day it drops on YouTube, make sure to subscribe there. It is playoff day. Cleveland Guardians versus the Tampa Bay Rays, 12.07, just like everybody wanted. Uh, we're going to get into pitting matchups, pitching matchups, and we're going to kind of preview and talk about you know, the important information for this game one. What do we think are the factors that will shift this game to, uh, today? Again, if you are listening, I do want to say, take a moment and say today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, I want to thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. And I'm going to again just throw it out there. Remember to download daily. That's one of the simple things you can do to help with the show and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we were over 700 and then we were at 699. I will do a quick check. Justin, how are you doing today? What are you thinking? How are you preparing for this postseason matchup? I'm doing good. I did not sleep very well last night. Uh, I don't know if that had to do with anything baseball related, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely probably going to be up late again tonight as we record this and uh, not a lot of sleep. And like I said, I'll be ready watching from home tomorrow. Yeah, or, I, yeah. I mean... I, I didn't sleep much, but that was uh, a five-year-old waking me up at three in the morning. So that was more my more my side of it. We have 706 subscribers on YouTube, so we got a nice little push uh, so far with Justin joining. He's added, you know, uh, I think close to 20 subscribers. We're going to keep getting more. I know it is a you know a slow and steady stream, and then it's a deluge. So hopefully, we will continue to push that up. Thousand being the big number. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know. It, it is fun to have baseball that like listen, baseball is always fun, but to have that meaningful playoff baseball with a team as likable as this one, uh, it, it's hard to not be excited. I am definitely looking forward to seeing if I can get it to work on my like smart board in my classroom during my planning period while I sit there and write an IEP that I have to do. <laughs> so if I, I'm, I'm waiting for the parents to be like, why is baseball mentioned in this document? But uh, we will, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a fun time. Let's, Without any further ado, let's talk about the the hitting matchups. You know, we I know we've done people are like you already did hitting, but let's kind of do a little bit more in depth on it. Let's dig into it, uh, kind of talking about you know who we think maybe has the advantage, who we think is the better lineup. Uh, it's an interesting team in Tampa. I do think my favorite stat is going to be the one we talked about later this week that just three people with double digit home runs in Tampa. But yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the Guardians and, and Rays offensively are pretty evenly matched. I think the Guardians scored more runs than the Rays throughout the season. They definitely were the better offense in the second half, and I think that's what matters here is that, and to be fair, the Rays had a lot of injuries. I know Wander Franco didn't play a ton in the second half, but he came Not back he late. Um, missed a lot of time. Yeah, he's been sitting. Um, you know, I, you want to disclude offensively anything that Framel Reyes did when he was here, anybody else, like, Really, I would look at like August on offensively, and I think Cleveland's been the better offense since August. Um, but it's close. I mean, so Cleveland scored go, more runs, but if you look at run creation, Tampa Bay is a little bit better. Yeah, if you go from uh, you know just keeping what I did yesterday, July first, uh, six ninety eight for Cleveland to six sixty six for Tampa. A one hundred one runs create a plus though, and Cleveland is at a ninety three. So it is interesting that golf in runs creative like they haven't scored as many runs but they've certainly been more efficient in the second half it looks like with tampa right yeah i think from i think just looking at august on too i think cleveland's got a bigger edge for whatever reason i think maybe it's just the way tampa goes about scoring runs they are better at run creation and efficiency than cleveland is but cleveland is 
um, scored. They've scored more runs in the second half. Or they've scored more runs since August than, than Tampa Bay. Tampa, I think, was like a uh, – their offense was maybe 20th, I think, for, in the final two months of the season, something like that. Maybe four, and Cleveland was like 14th um, in terms of just pure runs scored, if you want to look at it in a simplistic way. So it's still very evenly matched. Yeah, it is kind of just interesting looking at some of the, you know, the uh, hitter adjacent things like, you know, again, baseball defensive metrics are still kind of a crapshoot, in my opinion. And, you know, there's just the fan graph one in general is I I don't know how much, but you want to put into it, but it's always interesting to look at. So just, I mean, like Cleveland being top three and Tampa being more in the teens and the base running one is kind of similar. So like when we look at the hitter profiles, it does feel like Cleveland has an advantage defensively and in terms of speed and base running, even if the offense is on the whole or a little more even. Yeah. And they, and they go about it different ways. I don't think Tampa runs as much as Cleveland. So that's, you know, how Cleveland goes about creating runs is um, like we've talked about going first, to third, stealing bases, uh, trying to score from second on base hits, things like that. Um, and I don't really know Tampa. I feel like they run the base as well. Like I feel like, Rosarina is a good runner. He's obviously got a bunch of steals. Um, Diaz is not much of a runner. Franco's a good runner. Uh, Ramirez is a decent runner. That's the other thing about the offense, too, is I, I'm looking at their lineup and who they're going to probably throw out. And I think they're going to go with their everyday lineup. After that four spot with Harold Ramirez, I feel like there's a drop-off there for the Rays. I could be wrong. I feel like Margot has had a good year. Uh, 106 WRC plus for Manuel Margot, but uh, 274, 325, 375 line with four homers. So, um, I feel like okay, maybe after that spot, things drop off, but you could say the same for Cleveland, too. Seven mm-hmm. through nine at times this year has been a black hole for them, too. So, <laughs> maybe it comes down to who's seven through nine does something, right? Yeah, it's totally one of those things where, I mean, if they use Will Brennan, maybe that's a big differentiator with like how he has looked. I, I do. Like, I wish, you know, as I was looking through some, like, fan graphs, like, I went over to look at Baseball Savant, and they have, like, so many good things, but I wish they kind of summed it up more by team. Like, that's the one thing that's kind of missing outside of, like, run differential uh, is seeing, like, the leaderboards in terms of, like, what teams as a team have the, you know, the highest pitch movement or exit velocities. That'd be something really interesting to kind of look at, I think. But, yeah, it feels like... Again, I mean, it, it almost feels like coming home again, right? With all of these former Guardians um, appearing in this series. It's just, it is the most uh, the most Cleveland of any team out there outside of Cleveland. And, you know, it, for as much as we all, and I mean, maybe not we all, I'd have to see, you're like, how did you feel at the deadline? Like, what was your kind of general feeling when they stood pat? Yeah, I, I don't know what was really out there for them. I think what they tried to go after, who was the pitcher that went to Minnesota that got hurt? Oh, uh, um, from the Molly, Reds, Tyler Molly. Molly. Yeah. Yeah, they were in on him. They were in on Sean Murphy. I think Sean Murphy was the only spot you could have, like, I know, like, I think you mentioned Connor Joe a bunch of times, and that was an interesting option because they definitely needed an upgrade from Owen Miller. That's the only part of the roster. I mean, if they were going to bring up Will Brennan and not block more prospects. That was the only spot. Connor Joe maybe would have made some sense or someone like yeah, that to upgrade Owen Miller's spot. liked him. You know, call me crazy, but it's just, he was just, he's, he's a better loop low. Like he just, he's death on lefties uh, about as good of a defender. So he wouldn't have been much of an upgrade there. 
but he's also just like a great human interest story. I, you know, I'll go back to that. It's like, he is someone else who had to overcome cancer to find, you know, and after that is really where he's found success. So on top of just the, the great story of like how well he's performed, like, I don't know the, the human interest stories write themselves in that case. Uh, I bring that up though, uh, just cause it's like Tampa's big addition, David Peralta, you know, hasn't been particularly great for them. He hasn't been awful. Um, I thought at the time, I'm like, oh, it's a it's a smart addition. It's not going to cost him a ton. But he's only had a 90 run, runs created plus in 47 games. You're hoping for a little bit more than that. Uh, Christian Betancourt was their other ad. And he's been, I mean, I would argue maybe more valuable than um, Peralta. But they did make an attempt. But it is also the humor that, like, this team has had to rely on Harold Ramirez, who, you know, the Guardians let go uh traded him to the cubs, cubs right and then the cubs released yeah. him and he ended up at, he's a platoon bat and he's performed well um there's people get mad at me but i feel like a lot of shades of oscar gonzalez and the harold ramirez profile so we'll see if harold can keep that consistency going but yeah it he's is been a, bad he, since august yeah which is also the harold ramirez story right like remember how I, Cause the, he is that guy where it's like the stat cast data has always been like, man, he's got all this great stuff. And then just, he can't, cons- the consistency of performance has never been there. Like dating back to when he was a top 100, I feel like he was a top 100 guy at one point in time when he was with Toronto or Pittsburgh. I can't remember oh, that's which right. one. He's been around. Yeah. He's, he's, he's making his way through the league one team at a time because of those tools, but the tools have not equaled the consistent production and yeah, it's just a team where I, I wonder about health, like it, the just going through, you know, not having Lau, uh, not having, uh, you know, D- Yandi play consistently, uh, Zanino at catcher. And then just like they're young kids, like Curtis Mead is really interesting, but he didn't get an opportunity this year. Uh, Xavier Edwards is probably someone they need to add to the roster at some point. He could have been someone interesting. Josh Lowe, is he hurt? You know, they he got they a small back, I forgot. Yeah, and then like we always say, like Tampa never makes a mistake. How about how good would they look with Nate Lowe right now? Like, yeah, I don't know what the return is on that. I mean, I, I he's one of those guys we talked about last year and this year, someone more last year that I thought, hey, maybe the Guardians could get him on the cheap, but like. They had the brothers there, and that trade uh, in exchange for Lowe, it was for, I, I mean, it's Osvalis Basabe, Herberto Hernandez, who I believe was a catcher who they traded. I think he was the centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And Alexander Ovales. I mean, that's that's a weird hmm. deal. Um, I mean. Basabe's good. Yeah. Big prospect. So they got like they they chopped him for three prospects and he would be pretty useful for them right now. Yeah. So I I would still say like Tampa doesn't run the bases as much as Cleveland and um, they still had a good, I mean, Johnny Diaz is good. Wander Franco's been good. Crazy enough. Like you said, Christian Betancourt uh, since August 3rd, uh, a 120 WRC plus. So he has been their, their fourth best hitter. Uh, It's going to be interesting. I guess offensively, he is is really good. He controls the run game very well. That's going to be a huge matchup for Cleveland as well, is, is how they run against him because he's their primary catcher. Although Francisco Mejia is supposed to be back in time 
uh, from paternity leave to be on the roster. So, but I would still expect Betancourt's going to catch uh, all three games for them. He is their best uh, defender behind the plate, and he's been their better hitter this year, actually. And I, you know, with Cleveland's lineup too, it's going to be all right-handed pitchers. So I assume we'll see a, sell, a healthy dose, dose, healthy dose of Juman Choi, who, you know, as a platoon guy, has been relatively solid. Um, not the strongest no, year, I- but. Go ahead. You don't think they'll uh, you don't think they'll start Jonathan Aranda against uh, Shane Bieber? I mean, there's a reason they brought him up. I feel like maybe maybe they'll put Choi in, but I wonder if Jonathan Aranda is the guy to go to. Uh, he's you know it's like he's someone who this this year was kind of a down year relative. It's still a 116 runs created plus mm-hmm. in 113 plate appearances. I just uh, you know Aranda was super hot when he came up, and he was he was fine, he was solid. But I wonder if he's not the guy and then i also wonder how much you know uh how second base will play out you know are they going to go with taylor walls has been you know as bad as our catchers offensively uh this year and i mean coming up he was like a 60 to 70 grade defender to a lot of people i don't know if he is some metrics don't even like him as a defender it's kind of interesting to see that but do they you know is Paredes out there? Do they go all all bat, no glove? I mean, that would certainly also kind of change their lineup look. And that's, I think that's what's interesting. Like, I don't know, like, we know what Cleveland's going to be. Like, the only question is, like, Brennan versus Miller versus, we like, everyone knows what eight-ninths of that lineup is going to be for sure. Tampa, there's a lot of ways this could go. This is not, I, I wouldn't consider myself, there's a few spots we think we know, and then after that, it could go any number of ways. Yeah, it's the top was, six, top seven for them. They're they're I think you know seven ninths of their lineup as yeah. well. I mean, it's gonna depend on how they platoon Peralta, although he's gonna play against all the right-handed starters, so they'll try to pinch hit for him if they if Cleveland brings in henches. So um yeah, it's it's gonna be probably just walls and um I don't know, will they start Held Ramirez against a right-handed pitcher? I'd assume they would. Yeah, I would think so. I was I was curious with Aranda how much of his call up was also due to Yandi's injury. Like that's true too. Needing, needing another infielder uh, on that infield. I, I just, like I said, I, I think that lineup is set up to be much more successful against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. Which I mean, Cleveland, you're hoping on a Logan Allen right now. It's uh, which is you know one can say that for half a decade, hoping on a Logan Allen to break that. If we, is, is it still Scott Casimir, like the last starter lefty starter to start 25 games? Am I missing someone very oh, 25. obvious? 25, 25. Uh, no, I was the last one probably was TJ house, but not, he didn't start 25 games. He was pitching up near me uh, in the independent league. Milwaukee because, milkman. Yeah, I know. He was a milkman. I, that stadium was like, five minutes from where I used to pitch or where I used to pitch, where I used to teach. And uh, I'd never pitched there. Uh, but yeah, so let's see. And I should check if Casimir, Casimir had 29 starts that year. So. Wow. He was good. He so was who do we, who do we think has the edge offensively between the two? I mean, like I, so evenly matched. Like I said, I, I kind of have this tendency to just kind of go through positionally and then jump out. And if I'm going positionally, it's like catcher, I favor them. First base, I might favor us. 
the other infield spot, you know, it's like second and third advantage Cleveland, shortstop advantage them, chop up the outfield. It feels, let's put it this way, no matter how you view it, it's close. Like I, it's a push. I, you know, it's it's a push, and I might lean towards Cleveland's way because offense is more than just if we're just talking about in the batter's box, it's a push. But then I kind of lean towards Cleveland because of the base running ability. Um, so I might give them the advantage there. We should probably take a moment here. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we, you know, talk about our first sponsor and then uh, dive into the pitching matchup? No, I would just say offensively for Cleveland, it's going to make a big difference. How much I think I looked it up the other day. Tampa Bay is average outfield wise at, at uh, limiting how many extra bases uh, runners take on them. And obviously we know Cleveland likes to go first to third and things like that. So if, if Cleveland gets runners on base, they should be able to take advantage of taking extra bases because Tampa Bay is pretty average in terms of holding guys to, to one base on hits. That's a win in the margin there, possibly. Good point. Something I definitely didn't know heading into our conversation. And that's, I mean, that's you're going to win these games in the margins. Speaking of knowing about the margins, we should talk about our sponsor, one of, as I like to say, the Mount Rushmore sponsors. That is the good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online, you know, they, they have you covered, is the, the line they have you say. But honestly, like I used Bet Online before the draft to get additional data because no matter how you're viewing things, looking at things, you know, they knew who was going first in the NBA draft before anybody else. They, I saw the line shift for the MLB draft. It's a great source of information. It's your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchup, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting up to the mid scores for every sports out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events. I'm going to read these not in the order they have listed, including MMA, boxing, golf, and of course, Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball postseason. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. I believe Cleveland is a negative 125. They have their favorite. The- they are a favorite on bet online. Um, they, they have the smallest, um, they are favored the smallest amount of any team in the yeah. first round, but they are a favorite in this one, which is weird just cause I mean, they've been the underdog all year. It's like weird to call them the favorite at any point, uh, especially right. after a team like Tampa, who, I mean, let's be honest, this was a bit of a down year for Tampa. I think the expectations were higher. Um, you know, New York is New York. Boston is Boston. Toronto is spending money um, all the time out there. And yet we still, Tampa is, like I said, they're the black magic team. Outside of a few trades here and there that have gotten away from them, they seem to can do no wrong. Um, but speaking of like the black magic, this rotation, like Shane McClanahan was a guy who, you know, again, I'll go back to my draft knowledge, like, I liked him a lot, but I had massive concerns about his ability to control a baseball. And he was a guy who had some top 10 talk who ended up going in the thirties because I wasn't alone in that fear. Uh, You go and you look at Drew Rasmussen, who they think drafted as a second rounder, first rounder, couldn't sign him. And then eventually traded for him from Milwaukee. And he improved. Jeffrey Springs was a minor piece from Boston their ability to kind of take those young players and find that extra gear. That's why I say there's like 
there's a group of teams that are the teams with pitcher development. It's Tampa, it's Cleveland, it's uh, Milwaukee, Houston. and it's the Dodgers, and it's Houston. Like, those are the five. Yeah. And they just, I mean, they continually do it. And that's it's not to say that they don't also draft big-name guys. I mean, they've spent a lot of high picks on prep arms. And those guys just haven't even hit yet. And someone like Brendan McKay was their last high draft pick. And he's been freak injury guy. Same thing with Brett Honeywell, like who they traded to. Was he a Seattle trade before the season began? Oakland. Like, Oakland. Oakland. Like, I mean, God, if he could ever stay healthy, that screwball was going to be such a fun pitch. They've had some weird bad luck with pitching. And then they've also just had amazing development. I mean, I just, I had a name and then it, it escaped through my head and now it's gone. Um, you know, they, they have, you know, oh, Glasnow. Who's going to pitch like he was a guy that many of us were kind of like giving up on uh, in Pittsburgh. Like he just could not seem to get together. Control was a mess. And then, I mean, that Archer deal is their version of the Cologne deal right now. Yeah. That or the, the Mike Clevenger deal. So yeah, last now it's been good for them with this matchup. Like, how are you feeling about the pitching? I, it's also even too. um, the weird thing is, like, obviously we know Cleveland hasn't done well against left-handed pitching, and there's a chance that two of the three left uh, starters for Tampa Bay is going to be left-handed, so that's an interesting position. Obviously, we know Colin Poche is out, and Garrett Clevenger as, as a reliever is fine. Brooks Raley is fine. Either of them are as good as Poche, although I'm, I guess in the second half, Poche has not been good. Maybe that was a, uh, a foreshadow to an injury. And uh, actually, McClanahan's ERA in the second half is 420. I don't know how you feel about that. He is definitely shifted. That's the real question mark. He's had health issues as well. And like when I looked at him at the All-Star break, I thought he was the front runner for the Cy Young. Like, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. But at that time, he felt like the front runner. And now I don't think he's top three. Like, I don't know if I'm voting him for one of those top three Cy Young spots. I mean, not that I have a vote. But if someone gave me a vote, if I was like uh, a few years ago, didn't like, Barstool or somebody buy a vote for something. Yeah, probably no one them. Yeah, it seems about right. Uh, it's like so. If it's, I, if a, I, it's a. It's probably imperative for Cleveland to win Game One if if uh, McClanahan's not right. Yeah, and it is, uh, like. I still feel pretty good because, like, at the end of the day, an expression I use way too much on the podcast. Uh, like Shane Bieber was a top five pitcher. Like he should finish top five in the Cy Young. He had his ups and downs and we all probably gripped a little too hard at points, but like he ended up with an excellent year. Tristan McKenzie had what a bad stretch in May, but in that, like he was a top 10 pitcher in the American league. In my opinion, they have two guys that are that good. And then Quantrell just got better as the year went on and just seemed to get more consistent. Like it is a good one, two, three. I feel like the, they have a unique advantage because of how Cleveland is so bad against lefties. And like Jeffrey Springs in particular is exactly the type of lefty they tend to do badly against. I feel like a McClanahan who's more velocity based. They sometimes do better against they, mm-hmm. as opposed to like the junk ball guys, this is completely anecdotal. I'll let you uh, re- rebut that if I'm wrong, but it feels like they sometimes do better. So I agree. Like game one is the one they have to win game two. Yes. You can turn it around, but I also, if they lose game one, I, I feel like I'm not going to be the only one who's having flashbacks to that New York Yankee series. Yeah, that, that's definitely a problem. Um, I think I read somewhere today that Cleveland has been worse against fastballs this year than they were against breaking stuff. I know specifically looking at Andres Jimenez, he has been better against 
uh, lefties and all off-speed stuff this year versus fastball. I would expect like Andres Jimenez to see a ton of fastballs on Friday in game one against uh, McClanahan. But, you know, his changeup is also his second best, his best secondary and like Rosario and Miles Straw and uh, Jose. Historically, Jose is good against changeups. He hasn't been as good in September. Yeah, historically, he's very good. So but, yeah. I'm I'm really curious to see what his arsenal looks like because um it's it's usually fastballs to righties or I'm sorry, fastballs to either side of the plate and then changeups to left to right-handed pitchers and then a lot of sliders to lefties. But um Cleveland has hit sliders fairly well and they have some guys who hit changeups well. So um how he attacks each hitter is gonna be interesting. I would say too, Cleveland's got the edge in the bullpen. Like yes. um, agreed. I think it's a significant edge. That's one of those things where I feel like they have a significant edge against um, Tampa. Yeah, like like De Los Santos of of their. I'm sorry, I guess I should say Eli Morgan is a regular reliever. He's got a four four and a half ERA in the second half. But um, De Los Santos two nine six in the second half. Trevor Steffen two five four in the second half. And after that, Karinchak, Sandlin, Classe, Henches, all ERAs under two. And that's not the Tampa Bay's bullpen is not good too. They've got a couple guys the ERAs under two, but. I don't think Brooks Raley and Clevin, uh, Garrett Clevenger and um, any of their guys out of the bullpen, Sean Armstrong, certainly not you know as good as some of the guys Cleveland has. So it's really got to come down to who has the lead for the seventh inning, right? And we know that um, Tampa Bay is not going to use Shane McClanahan more than two times to the order because that's their MO. Yeah. So how does how does Tampa Bay get 18 out? It's two times to the order is 18 outs, so – how does how does Tampa Bay get eighteen outs? Hopefully from or some kind of two times to the order um, through McClanahan, and how do they get to Pete Fairbanks and Jason Adam, their two best relievers? Like how do they how do they go from McClanahan to there? Because there's probably going to be someone in the middle between the, to to get them from McClanahan to those two, and that's where Cleveland has to take advantage. I think. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things. I look at that pen where again, like I feel like you can't help but discuss just the injuries for Tampa. Like that is I'm trying to figure out my tab that has them, you know, it's like going through uh, just in terms of pitching injuries, like no Shane Baz. Like if he's healthy, he might start in this series. He's got Tommy John, you know, Brendan McKay. We talked about the freakness of his injury. Brian Yarborough would have been another pen arm. Nick Anderson, you know, who was their closer in that world series before he was overused and imploded. JP fire has been excellent for them was the other player in that Willie Adame's deal. Uh, Kitteridge is okay. Poche, we talked about his injury. Thompson, eh. Jalen Beeks, we said, will be back, though, right? That gives them another lefty in the pen. They, uh, I think they said they, they think they can activate him. I don't know if it's 100%, but they definitely were discussing that he might be available. And that's the thing. Like, Cleveland, now that Shaw is gone, we're talking about, like, the bottom of their pen is, like, Cody Morris, right? Whereas the, the bottom of their pen, it has some weakness in there. Like, especially... Yeah, Armstrong Sha- and... Um, Guerra, Yacobonis. Yacobonis. I mean, it's. I don't think he'll make the playoff roster. No, he, especially if Beeks is healthy. I don't think he does. But it's like if Cleveland can get to uh, McClanahan, which is it's a big ass, but if you can get to him and knock him early and they have to eat some of their arms, they don't have the depth to cover that. So, in particular, that is something I think stands out. Uh, do you have, like I said, I think pitching is, I think they have an advantage. Uh, even though the starting pitching is, is close to another push really kind of an eye of the beholder. I think the bullpen is really a separator in this series, at least in my opinion. What are your thoughts 
before we head into, you know, focus in on this first game. Yeah. Game one, uh, Fangraphs has Cleveland by a slight edge. And then games two and three, they have Tampa Bay with an edge. Um, McKenzie and Glass now probably is a push, even though I like McKenzie a lot. And then obviously game three is a toss up. I think the way Cleveland can impact, if Cleveland wins game one, I think their pitching is better set up to go three games. I feel like, um, because because Tampa Bay hasn't announced the game three starter yet, they're going to see who they decide to use behind um, maybe Tyler Glass now, whether it's whether it's um, Jeffrey Springs or, or Drew Rasmussen. Like I feel like if you if you win game one, you kind of put them on their heels, and they have to have all hands on deck in game two, and you kind of force them to to scramble pitching wise. I think you, Cleveland has the edge there. Only if they win game one, after that it's it's a push. That's that's only saying McClanahan because he hasn't been good in the second half. Yeah, and no, I agree with that. I think that like game three definitely tilts in their favor. Like, you know, game one, game two, those are tough pitching matchups. But I think Cleveland is on par. I think game three though is, is a big tilt. So you, you don't even want to see game three. Uh, but let's let's take a break and focus in on game one. So let's uh, just pause here, and we're back. So what do you have anything that you're kind of viewing or seeing as like the big point of contention, a big point that maybe we should be focusing more on or discussing when it comes to game one? Yeah. I mean, like we talked about Tampa Bay has a very right-handed heavy lineup. I would think that's good for Shane Bieber. Um, And then it's McClanahan's health and how good his stuff is. This last couple starts, he's been hit hard. So, like I said before, I'm really curious to see how he approaches Cleveland's hitters because they've they've got guys in their lineup who can hit every pitch. Like I, I was looking at the pitch data for Oscar Gonzalez, and um, you know it's it's a, not a huge sample because it's only he's a rookie, but he's kind of like a unicorn. Like he hits, and that's been his profile all year. He is a unicorn because of yeah. the, the walks, and but like he he hits all pitches well. There's not a pitch that's like wow he's terrible against this pitch. Um, so I feel like. McClanahan and the, and the race staff, they're going to attack him and they're going to hope he chases out of the zone. They're going to try to prey on his aggressiveness. Um, and then I think I mentioned before too, Bethancourt is a great receiver and a great thrower. You know, how does Cleveland try to steal off him and um, the Tampa Bay relievers? And then late in the game too, uh, Cleveland's bullpen holding runners. on. I think Tampa doesn't run quite as well, but um I think whoever has the lead in the seventh inning has a good chance to win. I think that's that's what it is. I don't think you want to go down in the seventh inning. I don't think you want to be losing and have to face Henches or Karen Check or um, Stefan or Classe, and you don't want to be facing Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks down runs either. So, yeah, I one of the things that stands out is just like you know, I know people are going to be tired of me saying this, but it's, it's the health. It's like Yandy Diaz has played two games in the last seven days. And he was arguably their best hitter this entire year. Uh, They've had a lot of guys kind of be in and out in in the last few weeks. We talked about, you know, Aranda came up and, you know, even Paredes, whose name I know I'm getting wrong, has been dealing with injuries at points. And it's a lineup that feels a little inconsistent due to health uh, issues and concerns. And just seeing who they put out there and then seeing, like, are these guys ready to play? Is Yandi ready to go? If he's not, that's huge for Cleveland. And then 
know, just again, I guess the hell side of pitching. It's McClanahan having missed time, not been as effective in the second half, having injury issues. Glass now, this will be his third start. Uh, you know, he's a guy who had control issues to begin with. And sometimes when you've had those big um, layoffs, we see control issues. So, you know, will the postseason be a little more nerve wracking? Uh, who knows? But it's for me, I kind of look at it, it just feels like this Tampa team has so many unknowns for a playoff team. Did you also notice, by the way, uh, Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks did not pitch in the last six days, not a single pitch. I have to imagine that's they're trying to get they're trying to keep guys healthy, and I wonder how much like are you gonna are they gonna be asking for six outs from those two guys a lot this weekend? I mean, let's see, is that right? Is that why they didn't pitch? I don't know. Pete Pete Fairbanks only had twenty four innings this year. I mean, I guess he was coming back from injury, right? Because he didn't pitch at all in twenty twenty one. Yeah, but he didn't pitch the final six days of the season. Yeah, did he didn't pitch. Adam. And then Adams, for I mean, uh, the, well, that's a crazy thing. Like Jason Adams. <laughs> has 141 total innings, 63 this year. Like he's a guy yeah. who, you know, want to talk about a reclamation project, Kansas city to San Diego, to Kansas city, to Toronto, to Chicago, to Tampa, uh, for a guy who's been maybe their most important reliever this year. And yeah, I was going to say when he's, he's 31 years old and he threw half of his major league innings almost this year, I'm sure it was intentional there. I'm kind of surprised with Fairbanks and him having missed so much time this year that they didn't want him to get a few more reps. But yeah, I mean, their bullpen just doesn't look like it got a ton, ton of work this week in general outside of uh, last Wednesday's game. Yeah. They were very careful about how they use their relievers the last couple of days of the season. They, they relied heavily on Chargois and Rayleigh. And then they had a couple of uh, guys from the minors like uh, Jimmy Yacobonis. And then I know Josh Fleming pitched the last game of the season. So. But I just wonder, like, not pitching Adam and not pitching Fairbanks, is that because they're trying to make sure they're healthy? And are they going to ask them for, you know, five, six outs a lot this weekend if they can? No, I I missed some of that because I'm having some Wi-Fi lag. I uh, apologize. But, yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think they are going to lean into that pen, which at the same time, I'd have to look at the details on those players. But it's like... I don't think they've really asked him to do that. And we all know like trying to get two innings out of a reliever is a dangerous proposition anytime. So I, I don't know if I were them, if that's what I want to go. But at the same time, we talked about the the bullpen lacks depth for them and uh, that should be a, you know, a big advantage. And that's why we said this <laughs> feels like, I, I feel like bad sports announcer, like, you know, game one is the most important game. Like, well, no duh. Like it sets the tone. Uh, it gives you an advantage, especially in a three-game one. But just because of how things set up, like if you had to tell me, well, if you told me I got to pick what game they win, I'd, I'd pick game three because then that guarantees victory, right? Like if they had to do that, then you want to pick, pick game, game three. three. But yeah. if you can't do it, it's like game one is really the one because you really, if this goes to three, I'm not feeling good. Like, I really want it, it. I know, again, bad sports announcer, right? Like, I want this to be over in two games. But it, it's more because I feel like they have just their strongest opportunity. Like, Quantrell has been solid, but I don't think there's anyone who's trying to put him in the tier with, with Shane and Tristan. Like, those two have been legitimate ace types. Quantrell is a solid, solid starter, but he's not in their league. No, he's he's 
had the uh, third best ERA of any starter in the second half. But September, he's been good. He finished the season on a really, really good note. So, um, yeah, might have been pitching the contact makes me nervous. I guess it's just always going to be the way of it. Yeah, Mackenzie and Bieber just a shade ahead of him, and actually Savali three two seventy ERA in the final month of the season. He was fantastic. So interesting that Cleveland decided that they want to use Savali in Game One of the LDS rather than have him start Game Three of the Wild Card Series. So we'll, if, if they get there, I guess we'll see how that pays off. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I still feel like Game Three, Cleveland's got a good shot because I think that um, it, it depends on which game they win. If Tampa Bay wins Game One. You know, it puts Cleveland in a tough spot. And if Cleveland wins game one, they put Tampa in a tough spot because um, of their bullpen and because of how they, they're trying to line up their pitching. So uh, that's why I said it's imperative for Cleveland to win game one. I feel like I feel like if Cleveland w- loses game one, they still have a good chance. But if Tampa Bay loses game one, I think Cleveland's chances are much greater than Tampa Bay's chances if, if uh, um, Cleveland loses game one. Yeah, it's, you know... It- I, I will be curious to see how the young players respond because as much as we want to be like they're professionals, you know, and, and they are, don't get me wrong. There's a degree of nerves. There's a degree. I mean, I feel like we saw that in 2020 with a lot of the young players. Um, you know, we saw like Bieber be amazing all year and then have his first bad outing. Uh, we do know that Josh Naylor likes that though. Like he had a rough year that year after the Clevenger deal. And I just remember all of us sitting there being like, what are they doing? Leaving him in to face a lefty. And then he hits the home run. So I do feel kind of yeah. good about his, his chances. Um, so yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts on this one before we, we, you know, we're going to go a little long, but it it's, it's the playoffs, right? You want yep. us to go long on playoff day. You want more data. You probably want to, you know, download the podcast twice, help us out. And Hey, you get <laughs> to uh, listen to some great info. It's, I guarantee you, we are talking some more advanced thoughts and things than you'll hear in most other places. Mm-hmm. I would say so. I don't know who who do you got? Do you want to? I think do it's you want to give who you got. I'm, yeah, I, th- I, I think I, Cleveland wins this. I, I'm gonna I'm I'm going sweep. You know, if I go through and use the method I've used all year, and I'm analyzing like position by position, and I analyze pen and starting matchups, I favor Bieber over McClanahan, and I favor McKenzie over Glass now. As of now, like if Glass now had pitched all year, it might be a different story. I favor them in both of them. I'm picking Cleveland to sweep this series. Yeah, I'm I'm saying Cleveland in three. I'm saying Cleveland wins game two or Cleveland wins game one, loses game two, and they win game three. So uh, when you hear us, every game will be one run. (laughs) I I predict uh, blowout tomorrow. I'm going to go against you. I don't know if I normally say that, but I'm going to say that they put up they just explode tomorrow. Uh, big performance in game one. Uh, so when we come back on Monday, you're either going to have some very happy or some very sad hosts, uh, depending on the mood. We'll be either switching to some off-season chatter or we will be, all right, bring on the Yankees, Yankees. right? It's going to be the Yankees yeah. no matter what. So, I mean, what a better team to for the for the Cleveland Guardians to be this like team that no one believed in. If they can knock off the Rays and the Yankees, that would be phenomenal. Uh, like I said, any any final thoughts before we we do a full wrap? I know I already said that, but I'll give you one more opportunity. No, just hope every, you know what mm-hmm. everybody enjoy the postseason. Yes, um, I like I said, I, I don't want to make it a cop, but I don't want to give any like participation trophies or silver linings. But this has already been a great season. If Cleveland, this yeah. is not a bad season. 
if Cleveland doesn't win this series. It's Absolutely. not it's just not a choke. Yeah, it's still a good season no matter what. That doesn't mean it's not a disappointment if they don't lose, but um doesn't change how good the season's been if they lose. Yeah, and like anyone who runs a victory lap, like they we made it. We got to experience the postseason. Uh all the people out there who are being haters about Cleveland, it's like they made it. All right. They they earned this. It was a fun year. And listen, we're Cleveland sports fans. We know the playoffs are not a guarantee, even though it has felt like that at points in time for the Cleveland Guardians. I've been Jeff Ellis. Uh, and speaking for my co-host, Justin Lada, uh, if you're watching, you can see our Twitter handles on the bottom. I'm Jeff MLB Draft. He is at JL underscore baseball. We will have you covered through parts of the game. Justin will be more in-depth. You should follow him more. You'll see a few things from me during the games. Uh, unfortunately, I have to work directly during the one, but make sure to check that out. Check out uh, all of our great content. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and how I end every show. Go, go, Guardians, go.